The following podcast is scheduled for one fall. Coming down the aisle at a total combined weight of 471 pounds, Casey Cage, Chad Jackson, Riker, Lale. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Wrestling for the Faith. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wrestling for the Faith. I am Casey Cage. Hi, Chad, Leo. I got it on my own this week, right? <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm trying to confuse you. You know, we're calling it in the ring. I'm, I'm seeing if you can, uh, seeing if you can still work like that. Uh, yeah, I can. Every once in a while, <laughs> when forced to. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh man. Well, how's the week, man? It's been good, man. Just um, got back from Oklahoma. Been. Just doing a bunch of housework, bro. You know, the uh, the other side of Jackson Riker, the other side of Chad Lell. Uh, still working on this this uh, swing set that I bought my daughter. It's like a two- or three-man job, bro. You know what I mean? But it's really just been me uh, putting it together. My, my cousin helped me last week kind of do some odds and ends with it. But, you know, I haven't had one full day where I could devote to it. So tomorrow, tomorrow I am putting it all together. <laughs> Man, getting it finished, man. I, I was I was wondering about that. Uh, I was wondering about that swing set, how how it was coming along. And you said, uh, baby girl uh, is in pre K. She just started she this is. week, right? She did, yeah. So how she, she enjoyed we her, that? We got her in a good little Christian school, man. She did last year's uh, uh, class where she was only just three days a week. She started Monday. She's a pre-K thing where she's a five days a week now. She loves it. She's man, she's got to be challenged. So the the school is really good. Uh, it's a Christian school, like I've mentioned. So it's good for her to, um, you know, they go in there, they say their prayer every day, they do a Bible verse every day, and she loves it, man. She just she's a very outgoing kid. Um, so it's funny to see the things she's learning. She'll be five in like two weeks. So it's like, dude, uh, slow down, slow down. I'm telling, you, man, it, <laughs> it goes it goes way too fast. That's like. My my youngest Cannon just turned ten this past week, and it just—I mean—it just seems like yesterday. I know, man. I <laughs> yeah. I was thinking this morning, dude. I'm I'm sitting downstairs at uh, maybe seven fifteen, and uh, you know we we all have those days where we wake up just disgruntled or just you know moody or whatever, and then but I hear her little feet hit the ground, and like it's like the Lord told me. Uh, one day you're not going to hear those little feet hit the ground. They're going to be yeah. moved out. They're going to be doing other things. And I was like, ah, oh, I just said, thank you, Lord, for that. You know, just small little blessings, man, that makes you go, hey, life is really good. <laughs> exactly. You know, and that's one thing, too, that I am quick to tell people. I, you know, you hear people a lot of times, like, uh, just the people who are so negative all the time, complaining about everything. And I always tell them, don't miss the small blessings. You know, we count these things as small, but really they're not. They're right. enormous. I mean, <clears throat> man, you've talked about it before. The blessing of becoming a husband and becoming a dad. I mean, I wouldn't trade anything in this world for it. But No, I wouldn't trade anything. So many take that for granted. So many take for granted that they woke up healthy, that they were able to get out of bed on their own, that they were yep. breathing, you know. So we need to always remember that uh, even if we ain't the, the richest people in the world and we don't have all the material things, man, uh, if, if we're alive, 
and the Lord's given us another day, we're blessed. Bro, my dad worked, you know, two, three jobs sometime, <laughs> me growing up, and uh, he wasn't the richest man. My mom wasn't the richest woman. But uh, one thing I can say is they, they, they showed love. You know, we didn't have all the fancy cars and all that stuff, but man, he, he showed me love and showed me God. And so did my mother. So that's, it's, it's taught me, it's taught me to slow down and appreciate it all for sure. Amen. Amen. So last week we took a little detour and went over to Proverbs, uh, but we're coming back into finishing up Acts chapter five. And uh, we had left off where uh, Peter and the other apostles, they were standing before the religious leaders and they were threatened and told not to preach in the name of Jesus. And they replied, we've got to obey God rather than man. And man, especially to uh, religious people who think that they are the almighty authority. Could you just imagine what that made them feel the pride of these Pharisees, as it describes, uh, you know, I've, I've had times in my life where I was really, really prideful. And I know mm -hmm. when somebody, somebody would say something like that, if somebody said something like that, man, that would have crushed my pride and I would have been furious as they were. Oh, yeah. It was a slap in their face, man. I mean, and then they, he goes on to tell them, you know, you're the ones, that, you're the ones that hung Jesus from the tree. So yeah. I mean, he's, I get, you know, you'd say he's insulting them and slapping them in the face, but he's pretty much telling them the truth. So, uh, I, yeah, I could only imagine, but like you said, my pride has been knocked down many times, but, uh, and, and, you know, if you think about it, Peter is, you know, kind of speaking, uh, he's very bold. And we talk about bold. It seems like to be an ongoing thing. We've always talked about, he's very bold and pretty much told him, you know what, you can do all you want to do. You can beat us. You can put us in prison. You can, murders, but we are going to obey God and we are going to continue to preach this good news about Jesus Christ. Exactly. And you know, that that's one of the main reasons when men, you first started this thing that we wanted to discuss and study the book of acts, uh, was to, to give people an understanding of what could come, mm -hmm. uh, persecution. Jesus said that persecution will come. He said they persecuted him and we're no yeah. better than him. So right. there's going to be some time in our lives where, you know, we're persecuted, where we're going to go through things for, for the name of Jesus. And the book of Acts shows us that the Holy Spirit, um, when we allow him to lead, he, he brings boldness. He brings dunamis miracle working power. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he brings the powerful for service and, and he, he just completely transforms us. Like we've talked about before, Jesus didn't just leave us here to do it on our own. He sent the Holy spirit to empower us. And, right. and that's, if we will just submit to his leadership he will lead us and guide us in everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm getting a little ahead of, uh, of what we're going into here, but we're, we're going to start talking about Stephen. And one of the main things I noticed today in, in Acts um, six and seven is, is the like 
Stephen was given, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, just like the disciples uh, or the apostles. He was filled with this Holy Spirit that enabled him and gave him the word of God to proclaim during these times where they were being persecuted. So, you know, there's, there's moments, dude, where I pray, Lord, I know that today, if you give, put somebody in my path, I may not know what to say. You know, the flesh that Chad may not know what to say, but the Holy spirit that lives in me, you're going to give me the words. He did it to Moses. Um, I mean, he filled, you know, Stephen with the Holy spirit. He did it for the apostles. And, and the, the book of Acts is full of these, these moments and these, these, um, I guess just Holy spirit filled moments that shows us that dude, if we just abide in him, once again, abide, then he is going to give us, uh, these words and this power that he promised. Amen. So here in acts five, Peter and the apostles say, we ought to obey God rather than men. And then these people just get, uh, completely upset. I mean, they're furious, ready to, ready to kill them. And uh, in verse 34, it says, Then one in the council stood up, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law held in respect by all people and commanded them to put the apostles outside for a little while. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do regarding these men. For some time ago, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody. A number of men, about 400, joined him. He was slain, and all who obeyed him were scattered and came to nothing. After this, <clears throat> after this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away many people after him. He also perished, and all who obeyed him were dispersed. And now I say to you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. And this verse 39 is one of my very favorite, favorite yep. verses. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest Amen. you even be found to fight against God. That's yeah. powerful. It is powerful, man. Listen, when I first, you know, maybe six months ago or so, I remember reading this and I went to Dr. Brown and started talking to him about Gamaliel and said, do you think Gamaliel was a believer of Jesus? Was he, uh, did he end up being a believer? Dr. Brown's like, you know, we don't know. We do. He goes, I don't believe he was a believer. And the more I dove into it, I started to read into the, the verses here where he compares, he, he, he already compares Jesus to these two rebels these two rebels that formed these little groups. And, but once those guys were, were gone, the group dispersed and went away. So to me, it was meaning he was already rejecting uh, this evidence of Jesus. And it, you know, he goes on to say that, like, if you look at the verse 38, it says, if this is not real, like once, you know, it, it, these men are gone or dead or whatnot, this all is just going to fall apart. It doesn't matter, whatever. So to me, he was already rejecting that Jesus was the Messiah. Um, and that this was, uh, you know, the true son of God. So, um, and being a very uh, intelligent man, I mean, he was the one that, uh, apparently was Saul's teacher, you know, who later yeah. became Paul. Um, there's just a lot of things there, uh, within this verse about Gamaliel that you can kind of dive into, but I don't, yeah, man, it, it's that uh, verse 38 or uh, you said 39, you know, it is amazing, but if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow it. And we see that in today. 
I mean, we see that throughout history. Um, so many people have tried to reject it, tried to destroy it, tried to stop the church, tried to stop the gospel. But what happens when that happens? It starts to flourish. A revival kicks off. A great awakening happens. Yes. Dude, it's just proof. Once again, there's so many things in the Bible that points to the proof of God. And this is one of them because we live in a day and time now, dude, you know, as well as me, there's some bad persecution going on overseas, uh, even here in the States about, you know, certain topics. Yeah. Um, but it seems like Jesus continues to, to shine through it all. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that's the thing, man, we're, we're sitting here over 2000 years after Jesus was crucified and we're still talking about him. We're still yep. teaching about him. We're still learning about him. So it, it, obviously this was of God. <laughs> oh yeah. Amen. For sure. Yeah, dude. And it goes to show that, that as believers today, we'll face, you know, luckily here in the States, we're not facing that type of persecution yet. Um, you know, we are not yet, but we're going to face some sort of persecution. You know, just like you said, Jesus warned about it. But we must continue to share that gospel. Um, we must continue to do as the disciples taught us uh, here in the book of Acts to just rejoice uh, in trials, rejoice in tribulations, and continue to spread the word of God. Amen. Um, down here in verse 41, um, you know, it, it says that they agreed with Gamaliel and they, you know, decided to let the, let the men go. And in verse 30, 41, sorry, it says, so they departed from the presence of the council. This is the apostles rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I looked up. So I looked up the Greek and uh, for rejoicing, um, I may be slaughtering, but it's Cairo, maybe C-H-A-I-R-O. And it says to thrive and to be glad. And you hear you have these guys. It even says right here that they, you know, before they left the council, they beat these guys. They beat the disciples. So, but they still left rejoicing. And there's just something to to be said there, man, of how you know, dude, you may start talking to somebody about Jesus at work or whatever, wherever you are, and they may instantly reject you. I mean, they may even spit in your face. I don't know. They may curse you out. Take that as rejoicing for Jesus, because you got to think of what He did for us on the cross. So, uh, yeah, man, just ah, dude, it's it's so crazy to see. It's just a lesson to be learned um, of, of how we're supposed to uh, spend our day as as you know followers of Jesus, just rejoicing in all things, no matter what. Because I believe if we do that word right there, rejoicing, like I said, from the Greek, it says to thrive also, and we can see that the gospel continues to thrive no matter what. The gospel is going to continue to thrive in Afghanistan. It's going to thrive in China. It's going to try, it's going to thrive all over the world. Uh, they're not going to, you're not going to take it away from us because the, another thing we look at is if you take, if they come into the States within now or 20 years from now, and they close all of our church buildings down because of whatever, it doesn't apply or, or it doesn't comply to the new standards of the world. That's fine. Well, good. We're just going to, have to leave the church building and start preaching in the streets uh, we're going to have to start holding church in our homes. We're going to go back underground like they did in Acts where they were in the upper room. Dude, that's fine. You're not going to take the gospel. And I know I'm going on a rant here, so I'm sorry, but it reminds me of a certain pastor I was listening to. I can't remember his name. 
in California, and they were threatening to come in and arrest him because he kept his church open open during the COVID you know pandemic stuff. And he and they said, if you keep keep it up, we're going to take you to prison. And he said, good. One of my mentors thrived in prison and his name was Paul. So take me to prison. I will <laughs> preach the gospel to the people in prison because they need it too. And I was like, man, that's good. Bro. Amen. That's good. Amen. <laughs> I don't want to go to prison, Casey, but I will tell you what, <clears throat> if I, if I do, I'll consider it joy and I'll preach the gospel. Amen. Well, I mean, like you just mentioned, uh, most of Paul's letters and he wrote two thirds of the new Testament was yeah. written while he was in prison. You're right, man. And it's funny that, like, as I learned that stuff, I'm like, man, this guy was, dude, he was being beat possibly every day. He was not, he was starved, I'm sure. He was not treated well, but he continued to, to pin these letters to these churches and just proclaim Jesus Christ, man. Like, I'm like, golly, bro. Like, and here I am sitting in my comfortable office complaining about, you know, some kind of bad day I'm having, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, anyway, a lot to learn there. Amen. One thing I want to point out that you were talking about uh, just a second ago is if you go to witness to somebody or talk to somebody um, for the listeners out there, there will be times when you're being led by the Holy spirit to speak something to a certain person. And it's not up to, it's not up to you um, to make them receive it. Right. The Holy spirit lays something on our hearts and says, tell this person that you, you speak what the Holy spirit tells you to speak. And they are responsible for, for taking that word and, and, you know, obeying God or refusing a lot of times as Christians, we get hung up on, um, we have friends or loved ones who just won't get it, man. They just won't receive Jesus. And it's, it's so frustrating sometimes when you have friends who, who are so close and you just, you're just like, man, just, just submit. It's the, when you surrender, it's the best thing that will ever happen to you. But they just they come so close, but they refuse. And a lot of times we will beat ourselves up for what could I have done different? What could I have said different? But we speak what the Holy Spirit tells us to speak and then we shut up. Right. Yeah. I had a conversation. It's funny you bring that up with a a good friend today who is um, very good at apologetics. Like he's not been a believer too long, but very good at breaking down scripture. It's something I'm not that great at, but he has a good buddy of his that is, um, I guess an atheist. I don't know. Just doesn't just continues to like deny Jesus, deny God. It's not, he doesn't, it's not real. I don't want to hear it. Blah, blah, blah. You're, you're foolish kind of thing. And he asked me today, he goes, I think, I think he and I are going to have another conversation about it. He goes, just pray for me. And I was like, bro, listen, just continue to speak the truth. It's like the enemy, don't let the enemy tell you that you're a failure because if it doesn't get through to him today, instantly the devil's going to come to you going to look you there. Gospel's so powerful. Oh, oh, you know, you're a failure. It's like, don't believe that. It's like, speak the truth, speak the word of God, speak what you know. And that's all we can do. We can plant that seed and we pray that his heart is not so hardened 
that he denies it for life. You know, he may for another five years if he's on this earth, but one day maybe he'll wake up and because of you, that seed starts to, you know, flourish. So, you know, it's true, man. The, the enemy will be quick to let you, or make you think you're a, a failure or a coward or whatever. But if we can just, just share the gospel, sometimes that's all God asks us to do. Hey, let that person know, Hey, I'm praying for you today. Hey, just want you to know this may sound crazy to you, but um, Jesus wanted to let me know or told me to tell you he loves you. And I mean, yeah, that's all it takes sometimes, bro. Just obedience. Yeah, definitely. All right. So well, I guess we can jump into uh, chapter six. Yeah. Okay. Um, says in verse one, now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude and they, they chose these deacons. So this mm -hmm. is where we see deacons uh, being instituted in the church for the first time. And it was, you were telling me, a little bit ago, the the multitude of the disciples had grown so greatly that yeah. that uh, you know, the twelve were just not able to do all of the work. Yeah, uh, yeah, and like like I said, you mentioned uh, you know I, I looked through some footnotes in my Bible, and there was an estimate of twenty to twenty five thousand disciples at this time. So we're talking about a huge growth here. So you got the apostles. Um, they were part of this mix that were just, I'm pretty sure overwhelmed trying to do everything. So there comes a moment here where, you know, they had to choose the, you know, the God led them to, Hey, let's appoint others to continue to help this grow. Because you got to think, I mean, these apostles couldn't possibly do all this work that they were being asked to do. I mean, you got 20 to 25,000 supposed new disciples. Well, I mean, in what Matthew 18 or Matthew 28, 18, it says, go make disciples. Well, once you make disciples, those other, we, we just got to continue that process. You know, it's like sharing the gospel. We'll continue that process and continue to make the disciples. Um, so yeah, I man, that's a huge growth. Um, and you mentioned the deacons there and just appointing people in the church, which is kind of a blueprint of what we have now, you know, in our church, um, the pastor's there. The pastor can't do it all on his own. You know what I mean? He's got to right. have the helpers. He's got to have the elders, the deacons, the, the ones who serve, the ones who help out in childcare or front, you know, parking lot or do whatever it may be. There's just another lesson there that how important it is for us to serve in the body of Christ, you know, from dude, I mean, with, with serving with youth, uh, I've been at the church before nine 30, 10 o'clock at night picking up basketballs or rolling in basketball goals or picking up, you know, all these high school kids throwing their trash all over the lawn. You know what I mean? And, <laughs> and I'm dude, I could easily go, man, forget that dude. I'm a pro wrestler on TV. I'm not going to do this. Like 
but no, I not, not boasting here, not boasting at all, but I humble, I humble myself and realize that God's allowing me to serve this church and he's given me these small tasks and, and Lord knows what it's going to flourish into. So it just goes to show, man, it's just very important for us to serve in, in our, our community and our body of Christ and to help the share the gospel in many, many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Keeping a servant's heart is, is the best uh, attitude that we can have. One thing that I want to point out about the deacons, uh, they are, they are men who are full of the Holy spirit and they are to serve and to help the pastor or in this case, the apostles so that the apostles or the pastor in a church setting can, can devote themselves to prayer and seeking the will of God. Right. Um, you know, the pastor in, in today's setting, you know, you will have a pastor and then you'll have deacons or elders that pastor, like you said a minute ago, he can't do everything and he should not have to do everything. Right. But, um, he's, he is a shepherd over the flock that God has given him. So it's very important for others to be serving in the church to go and visit the sick in the hospital or at home, like go and uh, tend to the widows and the orphans and the, and whatever other needs are going on so that that pastor can stay focused on, on cert, on getting the, the mind of God so right. that he can lead the people, um, that God has put him over. That's a, a very, very important thing. Now, there are some churches and denominations that I know that have turned the deacons into this big ruling body. Right. They were never meant to be rulers over the church. Yeah. They are, they are to serve. And I don't, I don't think that's a, I don't think it's a good thing when you, because I, I've seen personally divisions where the deacons decide that they don't want to go the pastor's direction. <laughs> and, and division so there. Now there's yeah. a big division and then they right. go bickering and then now there's a split. And yeah. so that's a, that's dangerous ground. Is there a difference there between maybe, you know, the answer here, uh, like an elder and a deacon? Because I know you 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 hear of uh, churches now calling the elders together to, quote unquote, vote for uh, I don't know, whatever. It, you know, I was listening to a sermon the other day where the church is voting to take the the Baptist name out of their church, not because they're rejecting the Baptist beliefs or doctrine or whatnot, but because they want it to just be a certain name of the church. So it draws more people in. So somebody's like, no, Oh, go, does it go? Oh, this is a certain Baptist denomination and it turns them away. Anyway, is elders and deacon different? Do you know? I, I think they would pretty much be the same thing, but no, you know, I, I know that a lot of elder or deacon boards, you know, they vote on those, those big things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and that would be part of their responsibility. And even if, you know, a pastor 
uh, steps down or or passes away, whatever. Sure. Um, you know, they will be responsible for seeking out um, the a other replacement. Yeah. The, a replacement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So, I mean, I'm not saying that they don't. Th- that is part of their serving, though. It's not yeah. an authority thing. It's yeah. part of their serving the congregation. If if the pastor steps down, okay, we as servants of the congregation need to try to find a replacement. Right. So just didn't mean to be, yeah, no division there is what you mean. I understand what you're saying. Right. I I (laughs) think a lot of people, um, I've seen some people who became deacons uh, and thought that it gave them authority and power to rule over the people. It's like, no, you are a servant of the people. Right. Got it. That makes, it makes sense. So pretty much, you know, if you got a pastor that's uh, obviously doing things unbiblically, then that's where the deacons and the elders are going to step in and go, whoa, 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 whoa. We have to, we have to confront you about this, but it's not one of those things where if the pastor's doing everything right by the Bible, they're going to be like, Nope, we're not doing that. Obviously the pastor is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church, but pastors are the leader there. So, right. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's one, one way to look at it for a, for a deacon to rise up trying to have authority over the pastor. Uh, I've, I've seen some people treat it like, Hey, we voted you in. And if you don't do what we want, then, you know, we're going to vote you out. And I don't like that whole setup. I, I believe, I believe that the pastor should be the, the leader and that the congregation should follow his direction unless he starts going in an unbiblical way. And like you said, if, if he does start going in an unbiblical way, uh, some of the men of the church or deacons, whatever should, you know, have a, have a sit down and talk about it. Right. Um, But, you know, you were mentioning uh, a little while ago about the people the church voting to have the Baptist name taken off Mm -hmm. Uh, my former church. That's, that's what we did. We just changed it to worship center instead of, instead of Baptist church. And and that was the reason was just to, because we're, they were still in the Baptist association, but yeah, they just didn't want, there's a stigma that goes along with a lot of denominations these days there is and he talked about that the pastor talked about that of how there's statistics now and studies showing that uh people are more drawn to a place of worship that doesn't have a particular baptist or methodist or you know whatever it may be and i was like you know what that makes sense i mean it, you're not taking the bible i mean if you're taking the bible out of it then you know we got a problem but it, it, you know dude once again it's just about the gospel you know what i mean it's it's not about that Baptist or that, that, that certain name It's about preaching the Bible, man. Um, exactly. Yeah, dude. I like the, I like verse four, what we were talking about on that, of how they devoted themselves to prayer. And uh, I think that's just a unity thing. Also how we as the church are supposed to come together in prayer uh, and ministry of the word. And it was, and we see down in, uh, if you're okay, I'm going to skip down to verse seven. 
of chapter six, and it says, and the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. And um, just, you know, talking about the word of God there, man, how it increased it. It's uh, the growth of the church always comes uh, in terms of the word of God increasing. And it's just, you know, once again, Matthew 28, 18, go and make disciples, go and preach the word, go and share the gospel. And that's just, we see that this growth continued to happen. So dude, if you had 20 to 25,000 there at the beginning of chapter six, Lord knows how many it increased to then, you know what I mean? Uh, exactly. It's just the word of God never changes. Um, we talked about the persecution and as Gamaliel was talking about, if, it, if it's not legit, it's just going to fade away. Well, dude, the word of God has never faded away. They, they continues. The word of God never changes. They don't update this Bible every year. You know, my Bible stays the same. Uh, they, they try, they want to, and they want to start changing this about, you know, the, the word of God, but let me tell you something, it's not going to happen. So we've got to see that because of that, um, the church continues to thrive and grow. Right. And, you know, it's talking about the church growing here. And that's what happens when, when we go by this biblical order that God has set the church will thrive when, mm -hmm. when we, when we have, you know, and even, even, even a pastor sometimes forgets that he is also a servant of the congregation. Oh, yeah. uh, we don't, we don't stand behind a pulpit to, to look at say, Hey, look how high and mighty I am. No, right. man, you're, you're a messenger of the Lord. Speak what the Holy spirit gives you. And that's it. it. It's not about you. So yeah. it's not just the deacons, but pastors and worship leaders and even just the regular laymen in the church. A lot of times you will have these divisions and this, oh, wanting to have authority over this one and this one. But as we see here in Acts chapter six, when we go by the order set up by God, uh, the church is growing. The church is thriving. Uh, the gospel is being preached. People are being saved and set free. Right. Amen. Amen, dude. It's never ending. I mean, it continues to thrive even to this day. Uh, it's just, you see, I mean, well, you, you know, you look at 2020 brought us a lot of crazy times, a lot of crazy things. Churches were shut down for, you know, so many months had to do online stuff. Uh, but a lot of churches have vowed to never shut their doors again. You know what I mean? I've seen, you've seen people falling away. You've seen uh, attendance in certain churches kind of dwindle. Um, but I talked to the pastor at my church that I grew up in, in, in Hickory, North Carolina. And I asked him how, how did the church, cause it was a small church. It still is, you know, 70 members or whatever, maybe a little more than that. But he said, dude, in 2020, we had more giving, we had more people coming to the building than we mm. did in 2019 when everything was fine. And I was like, dude, how can you deny the word of God? How can you deny the power of the Holy spirit when in 2020, they ultimately were trying to shut these things down. I looked at it as a spiritual attack in a way, but the churches continue to thrive. You see all these people fall away. I mean, but the, the Bible talks about the, the, the chaff I believe will be separated or, the weeds will be separated. I'm slaughtering it maybe, but I, I believe you've seen a lot of people, their eyes open. Um, 
a lot more devoted to prayer. Uh, like the disciples right there, we're talking about being devoted to prayer and being devoted to the word of God. It's opened my eyes tremendously about my relationship with the Lord. You know what I mean? And where I stand and how I need to lead my family. So there's been a lot of growth happening in two, you know, 2020 into 2021. And I think it's only going to get better, bro. I, I truly believe Casey, and we've talked about this, that we are in the early stages of, uh, of another great awakening. If it's not already happening, because you look at the history of the great awakenings and it, it, you know, happened slowly over numbers of years. It wasn't just something that was like, boom, oh, there it is. No, man, it's right. just like a revival. It starts to brew. That revival starts to brew. And before long, that, that fire you cannot put out and there, you know, nothing's going to put that fire out. Uh, I definitely believe that we were talking about denominations a minute ago and it's not, it's not anything against denominations. There's a lot of our denominations who have done great things around the world for the gospel. Uh, But I believe that also denominationalism has uh, caused a lot of pain and a lot of division. And, you know, if you look up the, the definition of denomination, it is division. And mm-hmm. Jesus said that a house divided cannot stand. And I, I believe, as I've seen over the last uh, few years, I have seen so many of these churches, be it Baptist or Methodist or Church of God or whatever, uh, you know, they are coming away from the denominational name. And and just wanting to invite everybody in because it's like it would be like to me. And I know people don't think about it this way, but a lot of people look at a church sign and they say, oh, so and so Baptist church. That would be the same as over here on this side of the street saying so and so white church and over here on this side, so and so black church. No, let's come together and worship Jesus. All of us. All, you know, it, it, that stuff doesn't matter. So I think, I think something that the Lord is doing and has been doing for the last several years is he's getting rid of these lines. And I believe that's going to be a big part of this next huge end time revival is, is we're all coming together. We're not, we're not being separated. We're, it's not going to be a big Baptist revival or a big Church of God revival. It's going to be <laughs> right. a, a born-again, Holy Ghost-filled people revival, and it's going to sweep this nation and around the world. I, I feel it, and I believe that that's, I believe that that's what's, uh, what's happening. Man, come on. Come, Lord Jesus, I'm telling you. I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that uh... – uh, if I'm not a part of it here on earth, that I will be a part of it one day in, in heaven, brother, because it's going to be, you know, an unbelievable Bible up there. So I'm excited. <laughs> Amen. Well, you know, we had planned to try to kind of get over to uh, to talking about Stephen, but there's too much good stuff to talk about. I really don't want to just gloss over it. So uh, I agree. I agree, man. There is a lot. I got I got some good notes about Stephen and, and being the you know, just to touch base real quick, we could touch on next week that he is uh, one of the first martyrs, that he is one of the first uh, disciples or, you know, one of the, yeah, one of the first disciples that was chosen. I think we can really spend some good time on him. Amen. I'm going to read verse eight and we'll leave it at that. Uh, it says, Let's do it. Uh, and Stephen, full of faith and power, 
did great wonders and signs among the people. And him doing these great wonders and signs among the people. We're, we're talking about healing. We're talking about, you know, seeing people born again, whatever kind of miraculous signs. And it infuriated these people. Imagine What's that. Happening to, yeah. Wow. <laughs> imagine that. Well, wow, yeah. Imagine that. Let that sink in as we close tonight's episode. Let that sink in. Imagine uh, sharing Jesus with somebody and it infuriates society. Let that sink yeah. in because that's what's happening. <laughs> Amen. Amen, brother. All right, man. You got anything else before we close? I just want to ask the listeners to, um, you know, pray for, for the, the conditions in Afghanistan, pray for our troops, pray for the gospel to continue to be shed. And, and my prayer every night is I pray for a Damascus like transformation on these ones who are persecuting Christians um, overseas. Not only that, but the ones who here in the States who are completely, I mean, there's lost souls, but it's up to us to continue to share the gospel, whether it's through a podcast, whether it's through a devotional, whether whatever means you have, share the gospel and just pray for that Damascus-like Paul transformation in, in the lives and the hearts of these ones who are um, just radically and, and just killing and, and slaughtering Christians. So that's my prayer for this week, man. Amen. And also pray for all the pastors and church ministry leaders around the world um, as they face the persecution that God would give them, uh, you know, wisdom and guidance. Uh, Also for our president and the leaders up there that they would, uh, you know, ultimately that they would be led in the way of Jesus. Amen. And that, uh, you know, I just, there's a lot of prayer. <laughs> it's needed, man. It's needed, but it's happening. You know what I mean? Around the yeah, whole definitely. world now. <clears throat> Amen. All right. Well, we love everybody. We thank you for joining us. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Wrestling for the Faith. We encourage you to subscribe and leave a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.